Do you want to learn how to trade cryptocurrency? Look no further. TraderCobb is an online education portal designed to teach you how to trade consistently and profitably. Our checklist-based strategies remove all subjectivity, meaning you only take the best trades with minimal time spent in front of your screen. We also provide daily podcasts, market scans, technical analysis, news and other educational content through YouTube, plus a thriving Discord community where you can discuss all things crypto with like-minded traders. To learn more, visit tradercob.com. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. G'day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another Trader Cobb Crypto Show and podcast. My name is Craig Cobb from TraderCobb.com. And again, it's a pleasure to have a mate of mine, Greg Foss, who is a freedom maximalist, which I love the sound of that. Been in Bitcoin since 2016. And as far as getting his hands involved and dirty, this man has done that for quite a number of years. So, Greg, it's great to have you back on the show. I appreciate your time. And how are you doing? Well, thanks for having me, Craig. Uh, yeah, I'm doing Okay, I'm back in Canada, a bit of a whirlwind uh, tour. Yeah, okay, you've been around the world a lot lately? Went to, uh, started in Amsterdam for the Bitcoin conference, uh, Bitcoin magazine conference, then went to Bulgaria and uh, toured Bulgaria. We had a, a day of conference in Bulgaria, which was outrageously good. And then uh, ended in Edinburgh, Scotland for a Bitcoin collective conference that was also uh, just amazing. So three great stops, met a ton of great people. Uh, people are worried, Craig, uh, and rightly so. So, you know, always good to meet the uh, people who want to learn. I was uh, lucky enough to spend most of that time with Jeff Booth because he was touring with me uh, as well as a couple of other uh you know, quite uh, influential Bitcoiners, but spending three weeks with Jeff Booth is worth a uh, PhD, or I call it a PhB, okay? Uh, philosophy of Booth, okay? So I'm full-blown philosophy of Booth, uh, ready to share my knowledge with you guys if you want. Wow, that's, uh, I might have to get him on the show next by the sound of it. That sounds like a really great guest to have. Um, and look, let, let's double down. Thank you for sharing that. Let's double down on what you were saying about the fear, because obviously 2022 has been a year of the bear. Uh, and there's a lot of similarities to our 17, 18 bear market. And I want to discuss that in just a moment. But when you say people are scared, what are they scared of? What sort of fear is, is it that you're seeing out there from the people you're speaking to? Well, let's start. There's really two fears. Um, but implicitly most people understand there's something wrong they they don't feel right about accepting government handouts because uh, they take the extreme and say well look if the government can print money and give it to me why don't they just give me all the money why do i pay taxes why do i work right and most of these people if not all of them are hardworking individuals not trying to live on the government dole um, so they know there's something wrong and they don't want to steal from the future of their children because they know that it's not a zero sum or not a zero cost allocation of uh, printing money so they're here to learn now those are generally the, the common people the people on Wall Street are 
scared as well because some of them have actually done the math of the reality of the USA debt spiral, DEBT spiral. And I'm seeing more and more reports that are calling out the US Treasury is like, guys, this is unsustainable. Like, why don't you give up the ghost and admit that you guys have borrowed too much money, we'll never be able to pay it back. We need an alternative solution. So while the pro professionals have looked at the math, the common individual implicitly understands there's something it. wrong. Yeah. So look, I mean, I've been reading a lot about the the state of the U.S. debt economy uh, lately, and now you, you you might be able to give me that because you know when you read a lot, it, it's difficult to know what the facts are. Even when you go to factual websites, what is it? What are they sharing? But I read that um, the total U.S. debt, the interest repayments alone, is something like thirty three percent of your GDP or something ridiculous like that. So at those sorts of levels and rates, whilst there's still more money being printed, still more quantitative easing, more than likely to come. Uh, and if that's not in the form of actually printing it, it's giving it away to other nations in the, in the tens of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, whilst people at home are still struggling. And we're not just seeing that in the US economy, but the US economy is, I used to call it when I would trade, you know, stocks, bonds, commodities, and I've, I've been trading crypto full time for over five years now. But the 12 years prior or even 13 years prior, I traded other traditional markets and I have my finger on the pulse. When you trade foreign exchange, you have to. The issue that I'm seeing is that, as you say, these numbers are not sustainable. They are not sustainable. Yet you are still printing. You are still giving it away. And, and it sounds like, oh, we've got to tax, you know, do more tax and this sort of thing. Is there a way out? I mean, you said they're looking for alternative solutions. We, we, we've got these these CBDCs, these central bank digital currencies now, all the talking points. Is that going to be something that solves the problem or is that just going to give the government a way to just grab our pockets and take what they want when they want it? Let's start with the facts, okay? So um, let's be clear. Uh, US GDP is in the area of $25 trillion. Uh, total debt in the USA is around 31 trillion. That's the funded debt. So total debt, funded debt to GDP is around 130%. Okay. Now the average coupon on that debt is around one and a half percent. Okay. That's, you can, you can go and check the uh, congressional budget office uh, calculations. And so you take 30 trillion you uh, have 450 billion of debt, uh, interest expense on that debt. That's one and a half percent. Okay, so that's where that coupon comes from. Now, yep. so that's not 30 percent of GDP. I need to correct you on that. Okay? Yeah, no, 30 percent of GDP would much. be something like uh, six trillion. Okay, so it's not yep. that bad. But here's where it gets bad. Okay, the interest expense will increase because 50% of government debt rolls over in under three years, which is to say when the debt rolls over, they need to issue the coupon at the prevailing market rates, which is much closer to 4%, which doing the math, you can see that 450 billion will increase to close to $1 trillion of interest expense in short order. Now here's where the math is ugly. Total government revenues are $4 trillion, of which 2.6 trillion are entitlements. So you spend 2.6 trillion and another 
800 billion is military spending. So of the 4 trillion you take in, 3.4 billion is allocated to entitlements and interest expense, which means the balance, which is only 600 million, billion rather, only barely covers your interest ex yeah. your your interest expense okay so military spending entitlements the re the residual is for interest expense you're barely covering your interest expense right now at 400 billion what happens when it goes to a trillion? yeah correct what happens when it goes to a trillion you're not covering it which means your interest expense is growing it's causing your debt balloon to grow organically that is the definition of a debt spiral. You have to borrow money to fund your interest expense. Now, how are they going to borrow, Craig? They print it. That's simple. Yeah. So printing is 100% certain. Okay? Yeah. That's the mathematics. Don't argue with the mathematics. They cannot afford to pay the debt spiral. Now, the USA, you have to look at the entire world. You can't just look at the USA because the USA will crowd out other borrowers yeah. in the world. You saw what happened in the UK pension or the UK guilt market. Yep. Suffice to say that this debt spiral is 100% certain. How do we deal with it is the question. Does the Fed drive the world into an economic depression by increasing interest rates, causing the global US dollar wrecking ball to destroy all global economies? Or do they pivot and admit that QE infinity is the only answer? Yeah. Here's the beautiful thing. I do not care because all paths lead to Bitcoin. Either path leads to Bitcoin. Now, what is the least painful path? Probably they admit they're in a debt spiral and they try and push QE infinity on us in a different way by yeah. saying, we're going to take off the run bonds. We're going to fund the short term uh, deficit with T-bills and take off the run illiquids off the market. This is a yelling thing. It's just QE infinity, Craig. Don't mess around with these gaslighting treasury officials. They have failed mathematics they're professional liars okay yeah. they are professional liars the only solution is to print money in some way shape or form or global depression which basically means you need insurance anyway what is the best form of insurance that exists bitcoin so bitcoin. own bitcoin understand that all paths lead to bitcoin don't overthink shit this Bitcoin is going to go to over $2 million per Bitcoin. And you're going to ask me, does it go through 11,000 before it goes to 2 million? Or does it go directly from 20,000 to 2 million? And you're going to tell me, who it is is I don't care. You're getting too fucking smart by a half, okay? You're in your position. This is... And if you get too smart by a half, and God forbid you're even short this thing because you're an idiot risk manager, <laughs> over to you, kid. You've blown your entire stack. This is the best asymmetric trade opportunity I've ever seen in my life. And if you want to wait and buy it at 11,000, but you won't buy it at 20,000, and then tomorrow it's trading at 50,000, 
You're a fucking idiot. I can't say it any other way. DCA into Bitcoin, it's the only solution. Learn mathematics. Understand that the USA debt spiral is mimicked by every single country in the world. Yeah. That is the key. Every single country is in exactly the same position. The USA is just the best looking horse at the glue factory. Okay. You might say, oh my God, I love the USA. They're all going down. It's a relative game. You've traded for an exchange before. It's a game of relative decay. And mm -hmm. the decay of the US dollar just happens to be lower than the decay of the piece of shit Japanese yen. Because yeah. those monkeys are trying to hold in their yield curve on a 10-year peg at 25 basis points. And the only way they can do that is print, baby, print. And when they print, they got to sell yen. And the yen is going down. You know, it's on its way to zero. So yeah. whatever you want to do, you can be too smart by a half or we can talk in 20 years when Bitcoin is something like 50 million US dollars per Bitcoin. And you and I are going to say, remember when we were trying to decide if it was should trade at 11,000 or 20,000? Fuck off. Will you just fuck off? You guys are really <laughs> pissing me off. Okay. It's that simple. I, I hear I love your passion and your enthusiasm. And look, you got to understand, I'm agreeing with you on the, on the stance of having Bitcoin is the most important thing. Now, for me, as a trader, my objective is to read the markets. And when you were saying before about don't be too smart, I get that. I totally understand that because the simple play is to just have Bitcoin and hold it. Right? We know that. I've been doing that for, you know, since June, uh, July of 2017. So about a year or whatever it is after you. My, my relevance to the actual price action is from the standpoint of a trader and to try and give people a bit of an understanding. So, and I'm with you, right? The, the dollar cost average strategy is by far and the best, the most least amount of stress for an individual that wants to get into this game. For those that want to try and find, and look, dollar cost averaging is fine. There are going to be points at which if we hit a certain support level or we hit an old resistance or whatever it may be, that we may get a, we may get a better opportunity to buy. Maybe we're not buying $500 of Bitcoin this week. Maybe we're buying $5,000 this week because we've hit the price point for which we're happy to do with. So it's a matter of dollar cost averaging. And I'll, I'll bring that up now, um, the, the, the relevance that I was sort of speaking to prior to our conversation hitting record. In 2017, we saw the high in December, right, around $20,000 thereabouts. We then fell from there. We fell 72% to the lows, the current lows at that time, which was the 18th of June, the week starting that 18th of June. We then fell from there. Sorry, we went into a consolidation through August, September, October, and we broke down in November. That break point was around about $6,000, and we fell another 47% since there. Total decline was 84% from high to low, getting us down about 3,200. What I've noticed, and we know that Bitcoin is rel relatively cyclical, right? As the halving approaches, we start to see some things ramp. When the halving happens, we really ramp. And that's been something that we can, I've struggled to use the word bank on, but it's it's been fairly consistent in its cyclicity since day dot, really, since especially uh, when people started to get really involved in it. This time we had a high in 2021 in November. So far, we've fallen 74% to our lows. We're consolidating in exactly the same manner on the weekly chart as what we did back then. And if we are to fall to our 84% low, not to suggest that we're going to do exactly the same every cycle, but let's let's hypothetically think this through, we would be down somewhere around $11,000. Now, I understand what you're saying because we let's fast forward 10, 10, 20 years. It's not going to matter whether you bought at 10 or 20. 
in the big picture and the big scheme of things. However, if you are somebody who wants to have a little bit more of an understanding of, okay, I'm going to buy a bit more here and a bit more here, and I'm just being aware of of, of sort of some shorter term um, things that are happening, then perhaps if you can buy it at 11 as well as buying it at 20, you're going to get twice as much down there. Very, very simple. I love it. Okay, so look. Yeah, I like, oh, so your analysis is, uh, it warrants a discussion, okay? Um, so I've, I've managed risk my whole life and I believe in having core holdings in a portfolio. So firstly, I am not 100% allocated to Bitcoin. In fact, I'm less than 20% allocated to Bitcoin. And that's me as a professional risk manager. Yep. The reason I'm 20% allocated because you don't need to be 100% allocated into the best asymmetric trade opportunity I've ever seen. Yep. Okay, that's Bitcoin. Now, let's talk about having a core holding of 20% and the ability to trade that core holding. When the price doubles, that everything else being equal, that core holding can go up to as high as 40%. Should you take some profits? Absolutely. Because your risk level is 20%. Okay? Mm. So you're allowed to take profits. And conversely, when you take profits, that enables you to be able to buy some if the price goes down to 11000 But you need to decide what your core holding percentage is. And by the way, it means that I have 80% of my net worth, other shit that is way, way, way more risky than Bitcoin on a risk return basis. But... It may not be as price volatile. Here's the crazy yeah. thing, though, Craig. Bitcoin on a trailing one-month vol stat is less volatile than the S&P 500. I know. I've looked into what? that too lately. Hey. Dude, so look, just figure out what your allocation is. And I'm going to start with people that might be listening to this. If they own less than 5%, wake the fuck up, okay? Don't trade it get your core holding and adjust your core holding as the information changes. As far as I'm concerned, the, the uh, thesis for owning Bitcoin is stronger today at a price of 20,000 than when I first got into Bitcoin at 800 US dollars. Oh, absolutely. Why? So manage accordingly. Don't be Peter Schiff. Don't be a head in the sand risk management fool who is still regretting the fact he didn't buy Bitcoin at $10 US per Bitcoin. He would have been the best performing hard asset manager in the world if he had put 1% of his portfolio in Bitcoin at 10 bucks a Bitcoin. He's just an idiot, okay? He's an idiot. He's conflicted. He's a risk management donkey. And yet people still listen to him. You got to call out this bullshit. Okay, yeah, yeah. he could have made generational wealth for his kids. And all he's doing is turning around and telling other people, don't get involved right now. It is the worst, absolutely the worst invest I've ever seen. The man is a conflicted donkey. Okay, who else is a conflicted donkey? Because Peter Schiff <laughs> is 90% of the way there because he stands the problems with the debt spiral. Yeah. Who else are conflicted donkeys, though? Jamie Dimon from JP Morgan. Why is he conflicted? 
Well, because he knows that Bitcoin is going to disintermediate his entire foreign exchange business. Yep. Okay. Who else is conflicted? Charlie Munger, 97 or eight years old, full of fucking shit. Okay. Because he owns a ton of bank stocks. Same thing. He knows that his legacy will be destroyed because Bitcoin will take him out. So do the math. Get your core holding to a level you can sleep with at night mm. and manage. And I'm saying, yes, absolutely trade a cord holding. Did I get lucky enough to sell some Bitcoin above 60000 Absolutely, I did. Why am I therefore able to buy some at under 20000 Because I trade ranges. I manage risk. But I will never, ever be short or even have zero Bitcoin. Why? Mm. Because Bitcoin is the perfect option. It is exactly what I look for my entire life. It's a put on the Fed put. Yeah. Okay. Think about that for one second. Yeah. If the Fed put does not work, Bitcoin is your only salvation. And there's a face ripping rally where Bitcoin goes from 20,000 to 200,000 in a matter of months. You want to be short that? Go ahead. And when I say short, if you don't own 5%, you're, still short. you're yeah. short, you stupid fucks, okay? Yeah. So understand what risk is. Manage your risk accordingly. Don't listen to the conflicted fiat clowns. Yeah. And by most, learn mathematics. It is 100% certain that fiat money will debase. Manage your risk accordingly. That is only mathematics. So let, let's let's go on the let, – let's flip that, right? So – I know that I believe what you're saying. I mean, I, I'm here for a reason. I've been doing this come hella high water every single day for the last five and a half years. And the difference between you and me is I, I will trade I will trade Bitcoin short, but with a stop loss, with managed risk. It's as simple as that. Bitcoin is as volatile to the downside as what it is to the upside. The reason I trade different, not just Bitcoin, different assets short is because I get paid in USD stable coins, which means that I can then put that straight back into Bitcoin and I'm using my trading to, to build my Bitcoin stack and anything else that I decide that I wish to purchase at any given moment. Bitcoin is my largest holding and I'm at about, I think I'm at about, the, uh, it, it, obviously it fluctuates, but last I checked about 30% was my Bitcoin holding and I'm comfortable with that. You're sitting at 20, I'm sitting about 30 and I, I am comfortable and I am looking to add to that if I get the opportunity to do so uh, at the sort of levels that I would like to. Now, b- b- saying the levels that I would like to, obviously, I'd like to buy it lower. However, if I do also, I, I prefer to see, uh, I prefer to not just buy it right away. I have bought some around that $20,000 mark. Um, I'd rather see a confirmation for me. If I've got a confirmation, I don't mind buying it higher. That's the difference. If it starts moving higher, I'm not going, oh, but it's got to go lower before I buy any. No, I've got a point at which I go, I don't believe it's going lower. Here is my signal. I will be buying my Bitcoin at this point in time. Sure, I could have bought more at 20, but my risk management suggests to me that it could go either way. At this stage, I haven't got all the information that I require. When I get one of one, either one of two outcomes, it's almost like a bracket, you know, trading in, inside of a bracket. If it goes above this point, I'm buying. If it goes below this point, I'm also buying. So having that coming back to your saying about having a risk plan, that's what we do. That's what I mean, mate, the, the stuff that I teach and the stuff that I say on a daily basis, same with what you said before. I did get some profits out, a lot of profits out around that first run of 64,000. The second one was a little bit more difficult to really call because we did pull back. We gave a good signal. We started to move higher. And then out of the blue, we 
we went straight back off again. That wasn't as easy to read as the first one was. But again, I've got stable coins that are sitting there waiting for me to put back into the market. Having that bracket between the two is really important. Question, what if you're wrong? Is there a circumstance, is there a scenario where Bitcoin can be somewhat petered out, stomped out a little bit? We know they've tried to ban it many, 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 many times before in various different countries and Bitcoin just puts its swag on its back and goes, I'm off to this place. Is there a scenario where we could see Bitcoin fading away? Yes, of course there is. But that being focused on the donut, not on the whole, okay? I believe that Bitcoin should trade ultimately at a price of over 2 million US dollars in today's dollars, okay? Yeah, yeah. And that's to say, if it's trading at $20,000, the market in today's dollars is only giving me a 1% chance of right, Craig. I'm not going to argue with the market. Am I? Yeah. Am I 100% going to 2 million? Oh, I can't possibly be. But am I more positive than 1%? Heck yeah. yes. Okay. So I manage risk according to that, which is to say, if it does go to zero, let's say it's only a binary outcome. One outcome is zero. One outcome is 2 million. Manage your expected value according. Normally, it's a normal distribution in between those, but we're just having two outcomes. The crazy thing is, Okay, that most people are horrible traders, Craig. You know that human yep. emotion destroys most trading strategies. Yep. And for that reason, most people should not trade. Okay, why do I say I that? Because I've made a living trading against stupid money, and stupid yep. money happens because they can't remove emotion from their trading. So people tend to buy the highs and sell the lows. Yeah. Totally opposite. Now, if you're a computer, you remove emotion, except that computer is programmed by idiot Ivy League kids who just got out of school who say, oh, it's a risk asset. So I'm going to correlate it to the NASDAQ. These yeah. fucking idiot kids have no clue what they're doing. They haven't yeah. looked at the intrinsic properties of Bitcoin that's actually insurance. Mm. Bitcoin value has actually gone up as sovereign debt concerns have increased. Yep. Why? Bitcoin is insurance on the yeah. Fiat Ponzi. So we're going to talk about all these things. Let's talk about some things that did, did Bitcoin did extremely well, even though now it absorbed the Luna disaster. Yeah. It absorbed the Celsius disaster mm -hmm. and it absorbed Elon Musk selling Bitcoin from his treasury. Yep. The craziest thing is Bitcoin is hung in there like a champ, okay? Yeah. As it should, because a lot of Wall Street is realizing this is not a risk on asset. It's actually a risk off asset. Mm. And when that narrative permeates all of Wall Street, you fucking knuckleheads are going to be sitting back with your, I'm going to buy this thing at 11,000 and it's trading at 111,000. And you're going to be like, my models are broken. Why? Because it's only 13 years old. It takes an awful long time for this knowledge to permeate Wall Street. I've worked on Wall Street for 35 years. Okay. I see how long it takes for people to understand the different contributions and different uh, uh, beauties of different asset classes. I was Canada's first junk bond trader in the late 90s. Okay. 
25 years ago, I helped develop a market in Canada and I can learn from the adoption where it started as basically one account in Canada and hundreds of accounts in the US. And eventually it morphed into some Canadian accounts that were just as big as the US high yield accounts. It was a thing of beauty, but it didn't happen overnight. No. Why? You have to do your education. You got to study. You got to realize that by and large, there's some really good asset managers out there. There's a lot of really stupid asset yeah. managers out there, but by and large, there's a lot of really good ones. Fidelity, they're doing the research. BlackRock, they're not as smart, but the reason BlackRock is doing the research is because Fidelity is doing the research. Yeah. And if BlackRock doesn't it do it, on. they'll lose clients to Fidelity. Yeah, so exactly. So just remember where we've come from, Craig. And my biggest thing, again, if I'm wrong, I lose 20% because that's my exposure. It goes to zero. Yeah. But I don't know any other solution to the Fiat Ponzi, okay? Gold is not the solution. CBDCs, let's talk about that for one second. Yeah, good. CBDCs are nothing more than digital fiat with unlimited supply. Yep. And here's the problem. They invoke surveillance or best before dates or anything that makes you spend your money or, or restricts you from spending your money how you want. Mm. Oh, Mr. Cobb, I see you were at a restaurant that was close to a trucker's rally for the Canadian Freedom Convoy. Therefore, I'm going to believe you were at the Canadian Freedom Convoy and I'm going to restrict you from spending the money that I've issued you. Yeah. Very scary. That's, that, that, well, And also, they've got access to not only that, but taking it away from as easy and they can at the moment. They, and I, I like the idea about what you were saying with the CBDCs having a restrictive or a limited uh, duration to spend because they keep us consuming, right? That's what they want. Keep, keep keep being a consumer. The economy goes well, blah, 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 blah. That's, that's their constant debt cycle that they've been on for the last 100 years or whatever it's been. The thing is, though, is that if, they, if they had that like that where they force us to become even more prudent consumers or not prudent, even more wild consumers, they could put like, they could have futures on our money, a futures contract of, let's say we get paid 10,000 US dollars a month. And they say, well, you, you, there's an expiry on that 2,500 of, of six months away. Like, can you imagine that? They're forcing you to spend your own money when you want to just doesn't matter. do your own shit. It doesn't matter, Craig. It doesn't matter the debt spiral is agnostic to that okay yeah. the debt spiral the total global debt is four times the size of global gdp it mm. does not matter okay yeah. you're getting too fancy four times the size of global gdp wow effectively most of the world's economies most of the western world's economies right now if it was you and me right we can't print money we'd be bankrupt Correct. Or we'd be in prison because we'd be trying to print money and it would be called counterfeiting. Like, yes. fuck, you know, call it what it is. Yeah, yeah, I could have a printer in my basement and until I get caught, I'm able to print money. Yeah. But guess what? It's illegal if I do it, but it's totally cool if they do it. And that's what Bitcoin brings us back to privacy, security, our own money and our own custody. And it's absolutely, you know, I, mean, I love the... You can definitely hear your Wall Street coming out. You're very passionate. You speak like the boys there and the girls there now as well. There's a lot of, uh, yeah, a lot going on with uh, with regards to that. World's got a lot of opportunity for everybody now. But there is a definite desire to see 
people spending money. And we're starting to see now a lot more of the world moving. Sorry? Well, 70% of the U.S. GDP is consumer spending, right? So, of course, they want, you know, consumer spending to increase because that'll increase GDP. But don't forget that it's still 130% of GDP is your current debt burden, and they're not even paying back the interest, and they're adding more debt. The deficit is still 6%. The annual deficit is still 6% of GDP. My God, people, mm-hmm. have you never analyzed a credit in your life? If the USA was a corporation, it would be rated triple C, right? Yeah. I traded junk credit my whole life. If I looked blindly at the credit metrics of the US Treasury and didn't know that it could print money, I would say, yeah, that's a triple C borrower. Triple C, one notch above default because it doesn't pay its interest expense. What the absolute fuck? You guys are running the world's biggest Ponzi and you go to the CBO. I need you guys to look at the Congressional Budget Office projections and the deficit implodes. Oh my God, this is a joke. If you were going to lend to that company blindfolded, you'd say... I need 20% annualized. And guess what? You're getting four. You're getting four in the U.S. 10-year yield. You're an idiot. Mm. Go ahead. Make my day. Send me hate mail. You're an absolute moron if you manage fixed income that way. And by the way, I said the same thing when yields were 1.5%, and now they're 4%. So much bond wealth has been vaporized because people did not do the mathematics. Sorry. It's the way no, it is. well, people, people get. But this is the human. This is the human condition. They they get used to. Well, this is the way it's always done. And, and these are the people like Peter Schiff. You know, even people that are in a position where they are managing wealth and managing risk, they're still saying, no, 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 no. This is the way it's done. Why? Because they. That's the emotional part. That's the bit that wrecks most people. Right. Is that their emotions want them to believe that this is the way it will continue because that's the way it has been. But we're changing. But let's look at Shifty Pete for a sec. He manages money in a ten trillion dollar ecosystem. That's the value of gold. Gold, yeah. Global debt is four hundred trillion. It's forty times the size of the gold market. I don't want to pick on Peter Schiff. I will because he's a knucklehead. I want to pick on the idiots who are investing fixed income on behalf of the UK pension funds that just lost five zero percent because they levered their long treasure or long guilt position. Those guys should be fired. Some of them should be sent to prison. Okay. No, they won't they be failed That's risk management. I beg your pardon. They won't, they won't go to jail. I mean you you were around I was you trying watch. in two thousand. Some people are going to prison. You watch you some people are going to prison. Because you look at 2007, eight, that big crash. That's that's what that was Seven my first eight. big trading opportunity. Yeah. Okay, Craig. In 2007 and eight, 17 trillion of global wealth was vaporized. Mm. Do you know how much global wealth has been vaporized this year? No, I don't. 92 trillion. 92 trillion versus mm. 17 trillion. We're not even in the same snack bracket here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 92 trillion of global wealth has poof vaporized because of idiot risk managers okay in 2017 sorry 2007 2008 that number was 17 trillion 
People went to prison from 2017. Some of them, excuse me, 2007. Yeah. Some of them got the Nobel Prize. His name's Ben yeah. Bernanke. Yeah. He's a fraud. He's a criminal. He is a disgrace to risk management. They give him the Nobel Prize. That's fine. So let's just talk facts here. I'm emotional because playing with the future of our children with a bunch yeah. of people who have no clue how to manage risk and just assume that we are a bunch of sheep and walk yep. off the cliff together because they say, let's walk off this cliff. Yeah, I'm with you. It's, it's, and look, the, the, the good news, here's the good news. We've got Bitcoin. We've also got the attention of the world. Not many people wouldn't know what Bitcoin is or at least have heard of it. Now you compare that, and this is the, the, it's testament to how quick and how loud we are. Because if you think of 17, everyone's coming out saying it's a fraud, it's a scam, it's this, it's that, right? Most people were, were, were sort of put, you know, pushing you down if you talked about it, right? Nowadays, now, today, fast forward only five years, and we've got some of the largest corporations in the world involved with it. Mo like the, the wallet addresses with one Bitcoin or more has increased significantly. The wallet addresses with 0.1 of a Bitcoin has increased significantly. The wallet addresses you know, as total has increased significantly. We're on a bit of a hockey stick J curve when it comes to the actual adoption side of it. Price side of it doesn't matter so much as the adoption side of it, the understanding side of it, because that's where we're going to get that next kick and it will happen at some point. The halving is what, 2024, thereabouts? As we start to get more people educated, especially during these bear markets, this is the time to build. This is the time to get your wealth, right? to help people understand the way things Correct. are. And this conversation has been an absolute belter, Greg, because it gives a different perspective again to the people that I'm speaking to, the way that I'm reading the markets, I have experienced not as much as you in, in other uh, legacy markets, nowhere near as much as you, but you know, 17, 18 years I've been in markets. And, and I can see that for you to bring the, some of those, the, those mathematical points that you brought in, it just adds more strength, it adds more weight, and hopefully the people that are listening to this have one of those brain fart moments and they go, aha, I get it. I totally get it now because it is hard for those breakthrough moments for some people. Some people own Bitcoin without knowing why. This type of conversation is a type of conversation that helps them with that why and hopefully helps them to manage their portfolio, not just go and buy more Bitcoin for the sake of buying more Bitcoin, but to understand the dynamics of how you actually manage a portfolio. And that's the bit a lot of people are missing. That's why I do what I do. Thank you for having me, Craig. Um, let me just summarize a couple of points to build on your point. Sure. Um, there's 170 million Bitcoin addresses in the world. That doesn't sound like a lot when you compare it to, compare it to 8 billion global population. But if that 170 million was a standalone country, that would be in the top 10 countries in the world in terms of population. Okay. Secondly, education is key. I'm a partner in a company, a free education platform called lookingglasseducation.com. Okay. Mm -hmm. Free education. You won't learn this in school because they can't teach you the truth. Okay. The truth is if they told you that the fiat banking system was a sham, you would never deposit your money in commercial banks because you'd realize how risky they are. So, Learn the truth, educate yourself, manage risk according to a core holding. Don't own zero Bitcoin. If you do, you failed mathematics. You shouldn't be managing your own money. Peel a layer of the onion, 
go down the rabbit hole for your kids. Yeah. There's 170 million people on its way to a billion people that will have Bitcoin. It's a supply demand thing. It's that simple. There's only 21 million Bitcoin forever and ever. Do the math. Signing off from Canada. Thanks for having me, brother. Greg, as always, it has been an absolute pleasure having a chat. I love these conversations. Man. I learn a lot more. I get to go deeper with you. Uh, your passion, it's, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, and I love that you're a freedom maximalist. I love that expression and term. So what was it? Lookingglasseducation.com? Correct. Okay, guys, I mean, I've got an education business. I teach people how to trade and invest, that sort of thing. But I'm telling you, go check this out if you like the conversation because it's, there's more than one way to skin a cat, as we'd say here in Australia. And the more knowledge that you can gain, that you can work out what works for you, then please do it for everything else that you want to find. We've got free content there at tradercob.com as well. Greg, it's been an absolute pleasure and I can't wait to speak to you in the not too distant future and see exactly where we, where we are again at that point in time. Thank you so much. For I look time. forward to it, brother. Thank you so Thank much you. for having me. Good night from Canada. Ladies and gentlemen, till next time. Bye for now. The Trader Cobb Crypto Show, talking business in blockchain. Do you want to learn how to trade cryptocurrency? Look no further. Trader Cobb is an online education portal designed to teach you how to trade consistently and profitably. Our checklist-based strategies remove all subjectivity, meaning you only take the best trades with minimal time spent in front of your screen. We also provide daily podcasts, market scans, technical analysis, news and other educational content through YouTube, plus a thriving Discord community where you can discuss all things crypto with like-minded traders. To learn more, visit tradercob.com.